one of my goals is that um, that as a society, we all can talk about our mental health symptoms, if you will, just the same way as a common cold symptom. No one's afraid to say, oh my gosh, I'm, my, my nose is stuffy, my, my throat is sore. I, I, I would love that to happen. And if that does happen, I think that is, that is a big piece of, of winning this battle. You know, as a as 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 a world, as a as an entire group. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life Show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life, and your I Heart My Life Show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper, and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life Show, Mark. I am pumped to have you here and hear about your incredible story. We have a mutual friend, Trisha Brooke, who's been a guest on the show, and she's our longtime client and dear, dear friend. So I know that there's going to be something magic here today based on that introduction alone. So welcome. Thank you so much, Emily. So honored and happy to be here. And I want to say, you know, right from right out of the gate that you sent me the loveliest message when I approached you about being on the show after Trisha introduced us. And, you know, you obviously listened to the show. You just reflected back to me some of the things that um, some of my skills, some of the ways in which we run the show. And that was just so nice to hear. And not I don't think I've ever had a message like that before. So I just want to like send appreciation to you and gratitude because that really, it just really touched me. And, you know, as you work so hard in your business, so do I. And this show is definitely a labor of love. So I just appreciated that a lot. So thank you. Well, thank you for saying that, Emily. Thank you very much. So as we do with most of our episodes, this really stems from your story. And so I love starting with a conversation around what brought you to doing the work that you do today and and to being the human that you are today. I feel like a lot has to do with my upbringing. And um, I had two parents who who really exposed me to every industry. my dad was an, um, uh, somewhat of an electrical engineer, and my, da- my mom was a school teacher. And they would have me dive deep into some of these different careers. And I never forget seven years old on the kitchen table, my mom pulls out a, a, the stock pages. But way back when, when you couldn't, we didn't have the internet, you just looked on these pages, and I was just blown away. And this was a learning experience of how businesses work. And she then got me involved and says, okay, we have a few hundred dollars. Why don't you invest in a stock? Um, And she says this now, she says, thankfully that stock went up with Caesars Tahoe because my mom and dad and all my other relatives lost a lot of money when they go to Caesars gambling. Um, Fast forward. And that was always my trajectory. I feel like the other side of that was my uh, my Japanese upbringing, which is my dad's side, which focused on um, uh, three Japanese principles, shoki, which is true self, ikigai, which is purpose, and then ichigo ichie, which is a high level of presence. Now, as, as I was going about this, I, I started to really focus on those principles um, I became a portfolio manager, financial advisor, and 
I was always dissatisfied with how the industry was going. I was always thinking that there's, there's gotta be more value going back to the client. And so what I started to do was create what is known now as a family office and which is gathering experts to do a lot of great things for clients outside of the investment side. And I feel like I did it the right way, except one thing as, as I was going through life, very successful, high achiever. Um, until one day I, um, I was in a, uh, was in a point in my life, this is, gosh, 2016. I was a point in my life where I'd gone through a, a really tough divorce about three years before, and um, I was just spiraling. I was in a rut. I was not growing in any capacity. Um, not, not just got out of shape, lazy, uh, pre-diabetic, um, just, just all kinds of things. Mental health was just, you know, I've suffered from depression, anxiety, and panic attacks all my life. And that was, it's just going full force. And so this was such a pivotal moment because, you know, as I was spiraling and just looking at this other side saying, Whoa, I'm, I might be going down a path where I might not be here. And I had a meeting with, um, a business coach which changed a lot of things. And I, and I let her know what was going on. And I, I just blurted out. I said, I want to, um, I want to, uh, go outside my comfort zone for a hundred straight days. And that's, that's the way my ADHD brain, brain works. You have to do something every single day. And so I set myself up for success and I listed off like 250, 300 different things I could do outside of my comfort zone, everything from business to fitness, to, to, finding a, a soulmate to my kids, everything on there was, was, it was just more powerful as the list went down. But on num number five on that list, I'll never forget. It was something I just kept on going past. And that was to tell something about my mental health struggles. And um, you see, in my family, it's taboo to talk about sickness. This is even more taboo to talk about mental health struggles. And so I picked up the phone and I called my cousin, Gail. Gail is the Japanese, excuse me, the Chinese version of Oprah, a very strong woman. Um, uh, I have a, I have a, a cousin who's like a brother to me, um, but it just felt like that was too close. And um, I didn't really want to have him feel like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you, uh, you never told me all this. So I just went straight to Gail thinking that you know, she, she didn't have an, any of these struggles. Well, it turns out that she has all the things I, the mental health struggles I do. And it was so liberating. And it was just this amazing uh, enlightenment of, of having the permission to, to tell everybody and to share that. And I was like, whoa, this is the best form of therapy right here. You know, told my doctor, she found me a good psych psychotherapist, got me in a low dose antidepressant. And then from there on, it just became this, this goal of just being true to myself, true to my clients. When they asked me what my cause is, I, I didn't skirt around the issue. I used to. And I remember that day when somebody asked me and I said, I believe that my number one cause by far is mental health, mental illness struggles. And 
I'll never forget the reaction I got was just so caring, the curiosity, the me too attitude. Um, and that just opened up the, the floodgates in terms of us sharing that client shared with me so much information that all of a sudden I was like, well, now I can do, I can really do my job knowing why this number goal here is so important to you. We really dug deep and he made the comment, well, I've never told anyone this. I never told anyone this. That makes my job so much easier. And then now fast forward, I'm very careful in the way that, and this has to do a lot with, with you, Emily, and what your podcast stands for. I started to see problems just because the people I was partnering up with were not their true selves. And I feel like it was always a struggle when you have individuals who aren't present, aren't high purpose and not their true selves with either financial professionals, any professionals that you're partnering up with and, and serving those individuals who are not their true self are, are not present, are not purposeful. What I've gotten down to is the only way that I, my team can get the highest results is when everybody playing in this game, whether it's a partner, whether it's clients that we serve, are high character, high alignment, true self, high purpose, high presence. When that happens, we can do just amazing, amazing things. And it flows in such a you know right direction there where it used to take 10 meetings to convince a client to trust for, for a high level of trust. I recently did that in about 20 minutes on the first meeting. Um, and I don't say this to impress others. I say it because when you have that alignment, when it saves so much time, because when someone is not aligned, when you're not rooting for them or they're not rooting for you and they're doing it for their own good, that's where you have these meetings that just go on and on and on. And it's such a struggle. This is the only way I know now. So amazing. So there's so much to unpack there. Um, for everyone listening, can you talk about what you mean when you say your like true purpose and your aligned self? Um, and like who, you know, you mentioned a little bit being present, you know, being obviously being transparent, being open, but what does that actually mean to you? What does that look like? Oh, great question. So I'll go a little deeper into those three Japanese principles. So for example, um, well, let's go for Ikigai. Ikigai is the one that most people would know. Ikigai is when you're doing something you love, um, something that you're great at, something that makes the world a better place, and something that um, provides you with some sort of capital. Usually it's emotional, financial, combination of the two. Um, I feel when others are doing are in their Ikigai space, whether it's with their family, which is Ikigai, or whether it's doing what they do with their business, then that's where true self comes into play. And that's Shoki, which Shoki means that's a Japanese word for consciousness. When you're showing up as your true self, with your true heart, your true mind and true soul. And I just did a post actually on this, and it has to do with the fact that um, the people that look up to us are role models. Like, for instance, I have three kids and the youngest is four. And 
people think, well, she's going to talk like you. She's going to, when she hears you, she's going to dance like you, which she does. She's going to run like you, which she does. But I feel it's even more powerful when she's not looking, when she's not around. And I feel like there's, the people I surround myself with are the same person, whether it's by themselves when no one is looking, whether it's with a loved one or whether it's with somebody that can provide no value to them. That's true self right there. And the other word was Ichigo Ichi, which is, is such a special word to me. And by the way, when whenever I would watch you, Emily, and hear you and your guests, it, all three of these are, are just on all cylinders. And I can't say that about a lot of people out there. Ichigo Ichi, though, yeah, is um, where it's the maximum appreciation of the moment. And in Japanese culture, Emily, I invite you to my house. I have to treat it as the first and last time you're ever going to come to my house, which completely changes, completely changes the way we're going to interact and the way that my mind is cleared up just for you. I'm not worried about what I have to do tomorrow or the fact that the Golden State Warriors are out of the playoffs. I'm just focused on, on, on you. And, I, and, I, and I, can, I experienced this when I was with my grandparents on my dad's side. And I felt like it was my birthday every single time I went over to the house. And by the way, they lived two miles away. So it wasn't like I just saw them on my birthday. And, and my dad explained it to me. He said, Grandma and Grandpa, when you go over there, that's all that matters. And they're treating it as this is Mark's first and last time he's coming over. And I felt it. I felt it. I felt like they were just paying attention to every word that I had to say. And when everybody in the room is highly, highly present, like right now I have 18 monitors in this office of mine, but only one is on and that's how it always is. Then if everybody is highly present like that, then that's where you get the most effectiveness and that's where you get the most fulfillment. That's so beautiful. I, my husband has a book called Ikigai and he has shared a little bit about it with me, but I've never, I haven't known about the other two beautiful principles. So thank you for describing that. So before we go into more detail around that work and that sort of harmony in the way you live your life now, I want to better understand back in 2016, what do you think it was that caused you to get to that place? And you said you suffered with anxiety and depression your whole life, but what was it that was the big wake up call for you around that time? And what do you think led to that? So great question. Um, what got me to that level was just everything coming in at the same time. And when I say that it was, divorce and t and very tough divorce and it was almost like i shrugged that emotion off because i had to show up for my kids and then all of a sudden just felt like it that ptsd was coming coming right in front of me and trauma usually not usually always exemplifies depression and anxiety and um 
So the answer to that question, those questions are, are, are this almost the same. It was awareness of what was going on. And I was like, holy moly, I haven't grown my business for the last few years. Um, my health is deteriorating. Um, my mental health is deteriorating. My relationship with my kids, my relationship with, with all the people are just spiraling down. And then it was the opposite. It was the awareness. It was the awareness that got me out of that. I said, gosh, if, if I continue going down, that's just, it, this is not going to, it's not going to end well. Um, the, here's the, here's what really kicked it into high gear though. Um, but a little ways before that, uh, I was at a mastermind group and this guy got up. He's very famous Ted talker. Now his name is Ja Jung. Let's talk about rejection therapy and Ja spoke like, um, spoke about the rut he was in very similar to mine and how he went out and looked to get rejected a hundred days in a row. And the reason I didn't go with rejection was that that was too painful. Cause I kind of want to get rejected a hundred days in a row. I, you know, I maybe could do that. How about let's go uncomfortable. And it was, it was just this, this, this light went off. And I said, that's it. That's it. I, I can't like keep reading these self-help books and, and, and try to implement that because that's, that, that's too much. How about something easy as jumping in a cold body of water, taking a hip hop class, you know, signing up for a marathon, those things I can do. And then it just got the momentum, but watching that, watching Jaws Ted talk. And by the way, I, 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 he, he didn't know who I was. Now we're like really, really good friends. By the way, I reached out to him and said, Hey man, you inspired me. And like, he's, he's a, he's a good friend of mine, but, but that was right there. I looked at him and I said, I, I I'm that guy before. And if I do this, I can be that guy afterwards. And what was it about that experience, the hundred days that you think shifted everything for you? I think I'm competitive I, and I feel like um, it was the first day was the hardest and then it just started and then it all of a sudden became a lot of fun. And I, I think w w where it shifted, Emily, was the realization that something really good is happening when I don't right around day 20, I started to look at that list and I started to cross things off that were now because my comfort zone has expanded it's like no i can't that's that's easy i'll call that prospect up no problem right and it was almost like whoa this is really amazing and like the bigger my comfort zone was going the more confident that i felt um where it really started to to just like i i was always almost doing backflips i mean i did some cool things actually i signed up for a marathon and i signed up with the hardest coach in Marin. And then I, I not only ran that marathon, but I ran it so fast. I qualified for Boston, but the big thing was, was meeting my wife. And that was, that was where I was like this, I can do this. And I want to do this for the rest of my life. I had was dating in this, um, this, uh, range of two and a half years younger or two years younger, two years older and 10 miles from my house. And we got to a point where, I go online and it'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, I dated her. No, no, okay, no one knew. And then 
it, it was almost like I, I, I felt like I needed to, to, to really shake things up. And so I went, instead of 10 miles, I went to a hundred miles from my house. I said, gosh, I, I don't have the kids half the time. I, I can make the drive. And then went from two and a half years, two years younger to 10 years younger. Cause, cause I'm a little high energy and, and I, I noticed that the younger, the younger potential partners, that was more the energy level I was looking at. And so the next day, this woman named Amy appears like this is the, the, the match of the day. right? And I'm like, Holy moly. Oh my gosh. Just like, and I couldn't stop reading her profile. It was just like this pure excitement. And, and I talk about this in one of my talks. I, I, it took me seven hours to craft this message to her just because it had to be perfect. Right. So just like, and I kept going back and forth and back and forth. Long story short, though, like we completely hit it off on our first date. It's like a four hour, 20 minute date, get the second date. And all of a sudden I'm just like, well, that happened. And I can kind of see things kind of falling into place here. You know, every day got longer and longer. I think our third date was like 12 hours. We like almost closed the restaurant and then, and then some. Yeah. So that's where it started to kick in. And then that also inspired me to talk to Gail about, about my mental health struggles. And so what was the, the day one task that you did? And then what oh, was the day yeah. 100? Good old Dave Asprey. Dave Asprey and I, you know, I, I hit it off with him. He would, he'd come to the, my mastermind every few months and he'd always like, he'd always like, let me peek under the hood of just like, Oh, this is what I'm doing. Right. Cause I, I think you're a, I think, <laughs> I think you just love, love adventure and thrill. And so one of the things he said was, um, to, um, jump in a cold body of water, um, which I, I made number one because that just freaks me out. I was like that, but I knew all the benefits that went along with it. And to this day, I do it every morning. So I had to, I found a place, actually it wasn't a place that I was supposed to be in. Um, but it was kind of too late. I was like, well, I'm doing this. And it was like a, a lake near my house. I jumped in the lake, um, for, for five minutes that I was almost like ready to get out. I was like, oh, 10 seconds, but I, 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 I wanted to, to be accountable. And that, that's what I did first. Amazing. And what about day 100? So day 100, um, day 100 or 99, um, that one was, no, that wasn't the book, but like right, right at the end, I started to, um, do crazy things with my fitness. And so it was right around that time. It was going to a very advanced hip hop dancing class. And I've always liked dancing, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a dancer for, by any means. And so there's a, there's a studio nearby and everybody's welcome, but we kind of know everybody welcome means that you, know, you have to be really experienced. And I, I remember getting in there and I'm looking at people around the room and it's, you can almost identify what dance, oh, ballet dancer, ballet dancer. Oh my gosh. You know, she probably start in a, in a, in a hip hop dance video. And there's a guy next to me. I'll never forget this guy. His name was Kevin. 
in fact, I just looked at a post on, on LinkedIn of his. Um, Kevin Kevin was my age, right? And he was this, this uh, Caucasian man. And I looked at him, I was like, yeah, he's new, just like me. And so I sat right next to him. I said, well, you know, we're going to hang out. And I introduced myself and he goes, yeah, I'm kind of a newbie here. I've been doing this for about five years. Oh man. Um, but that was, that. it was amazing. And I still, to this day, I, I hip hop dance quite a bit and passed it down to my daughter. So good. So I'm curious to know, I want to break this down for people. What do you think it was about this experience that transformed you? Um, I want to hear in your words and I have some thoughts. So I feel like um, the, the first thing was like, it's, it was a recipe for a lot of things that are happening right now. I felt like two things here. One is the momentum you can get by doing something every single day. The other is, is the comfort zone aspect and, and, and really going from a place where you're conditioning your mind. I'm conditioning my own mind to say, when I'm looking at A or B, um, I go for the uncomfortable one and it, and it, it uncomfortable with, with reasoning behind it, but I felt like it just gets easier and easier where I don't have to talk myself into doing something that's uncomfortable. So it's really conditioned me to just act on, on what you want to do. And usually if it's a little fearful and a little uncomfortable, that's where all the great things happen. That's where I met my wife. That's where I have had, you know, that's where I decided to become a dad 19 years ago. That's where I be, decided to become a dad when I thought I was done having kids four years ago and, and everything, that's how everything happens. Everything big happens from a moment of being uncomfortable. And why do you think this helped from a mental health perspective? And I guess I should clarify, did you find that your depression lessened and your anxiety, you know, went down? So on, on two fronts right there, Emily, the first one was the, the big one was uh, never telling anybody about this. And then having that moment of talking to my cousin and then talking to other people. And it was a realization that this makes me feel so much better. It was almost like remove loneliness. And that was almost half the battle right there. Mm. And, 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 and the realization too, that I was not my true self. When people would ask me, what is your cause or why are you so passionate about American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I think I, I know that it's 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 it has allowed me to to really feel like I'm my true self and to actually look and be better at surrounding myself with other people who are also true self. And I feel like when I share that with some someone, a couple things happen about mental health struggles. The, the, the other person almost always can relate with their own or a close family member or even a business partner, which, which I've heard before. And it's not only a way for them to have some sort of therapy and to share and to feel less lonely, 
But it's also a way where I've noticed when I share that, when they ask and I tell them, it's almost like the other person is just saying, oh my gosh, Mark told me something. And Mark got vulnerable and he told me something that he probably doesn't just share with the world. And, and you can almost see them searching for, okay, what have I not told anybody? Or maybe I told them like the client example, maybe I, I told, I want 25 million, but really didn't tell Mark why that's so important to me. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just thinking about some of the examples from my own life. Even recently I had a client message me and thank me for talking about having anxiety and sharing vulnerable things on this show. And I think when I started my business, one of the things that I was taught from a former coach is to have more of a wall up and to not be as approachable. And I did that for a while and realized it felt really crappy and people were looking at me in an unrelatable way. And there was almost this like, there were clients coming to me expecting me to save them. And it was just, it wasn't the type of relationship that I was looking for. And so I think you're so right. What happens when you are vulnerable um, and you kind of open the kimono, so to speak, is, is very powerful on both sides. Oh, that's amazing share, um, Emily. Thank you for that. And what happens in your, say, client relationship or everyday life? Do you now have kind of a true self radar where you're able to tell if someone is living out those three principles? And, you know, if not, is it like a hard no that you're not going to be working with them or they're not going to be a part of your life? I'm just wondering how you navigate that. So I have, um, even though I, I just live by true self, um, there there have been points in my life where um, I've been fooled. Um, and it's interesting because I've brought this up to to clients and to, to other close contacts that I have. And, and I feel like <laughs> by, by people not saying, by people acting differently than who they really are and then, then who they really are comes out and it negatively affects me, I feel like there, there's certain red flags and, and the, the red flags typically are, um, and you have to be real about, um, about how you're feeling about this person. And so one of the things I always do is, and I've done this for many years, is I take a 15 minute increment inventory of how my energy is. And I don't even think about it. So I say, okay, 12, you know, one, 145 coming up here, uh, plus two, by, by the way, we're, we're plus two, plus two is the highest you can get, by the way, <laughs> plus two, plus one, zero, minus one and minus two. Now, if you start to think about it and just say, well, I just had a meeting with a client who's got, you know, so much money and I'm going to make ah, yeah, plus two, even though I feel like, Oh my God, my stomach is turning. It's so you have to, it has to be quick. So that's usually an indicator for me is that because a lot of things have showed up when I'm true to myself on that, on that measuring scale, something is a, a little off. Now I might be able to go back and saying, Oh, well, I didn't sleep well. Or, you know, I, I, um, uh, you know, ha had, had 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 a um had a task that I was that that's weighing on my my mind but if it repeatedly shows up like that then you start to question about it the other indicators too is that you want to um i always want to i always want to i always want to see what why they're doing what they're doing and um 
I'll give you some blatant red flags, but sometimes they're ignored in my business because it's all about making money. When you're, when I'm done with a call and I'm with a partner or I'm with somebody else and the client that we're, we're serving is off the call, I always love to hear what their first reaction is after that call. Call goes well. We're going to be able to help the client. Um, the, the, the partners that I surround myself with will talk about how excited they are or how great that person is. That will be the first reaction. It's like, oh my gosh, thank you, Mark, for, for bringing me in. I think we can really help. It's always, I think we can help. I think the two of us are going to do amazing things. We're really going to be a game changer here. Now, the flip side of that is I've had instances where money is the first thing out of their mouth. And it's kind of shocked me a little bit. Like, okay, we're, we're saving this, this, this client a couple million dollars in taxes by helping with strategy. I'm over the moon excited because now he can exit his company sooner than later. And the first thing out of that other professional's mouth was, we're going to make a lot of money on this. Um, or a question about, well, what are you going to charge him? How much money? How much money am I going to make? How much money are you going to make? Um, now, I know that's very obvious, but a lot of times we just get caught up in this. And because that person is helping someone we care about, we're just like, okay, whatever, they'll, they'll get paid. But I've, I've had enough experiences where when that is a comment or that is the focal point, it usually doesn't end well. Something mm. will come up in the end. The other thing too, in terms of true self, my, my business is, is just, and I've always been against this. It's about scripts, right? It's about what to say, what questions you ask, how to ask the question so it funnels into making the sale or, how, or what stories to say. Fortunately, unfortunately, I've, I've been in these financial advisor groups and they'll, they'll practice their, their pitch. Um, because, well, if I practice my pitch, it'll make, make it, make that other person want to do business with me. And, and so because I'm such a believer in being true self and against the script, the, the, the examples, the best examples I can give were somebody is willing to have me help them sell their hundred million dollar company in one meeting or somebody with a $50 million business um, wants, wants to be my client within half an hour of the first meeting. Those typically, and I'll tell you a quick story. And, be, and this is the reason I tell you this is because, because I know how to be my true self. I, I'm able to spot others who are, are being their true selves. So um, the, the, the biggest win I ever had um, was, was that client. Hey, sell, sell my business for a hundred million. Well, um, I, I never met this client and, and my, my four-year-old daughter, Stella and I, uh, she was two, two at the time. Uh, I told the nanny to go home. It was a Friday or Thursday. Anyways, it didn't matter. But I told the nanny to go home because I said, I, I, I get, I get to play with her now. And we're in a groove. We're singing. We're dancing to Bruno Mars. We're taking all our stuffed animals and we're doing a race around this, this desk right here. And I get so wrapped up in this for 55 minutes. This alarm beeps on my phone. And I was like, who is that? I said, oh, I have a meeting coming up here. 
And so she's still in the room, by the way. So I click, click on the zoom and it's me and the client. And, um, I said, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I look in the zoom and I'm like, kind of what here and what I said, we had, I had a water fight with my daughter just now and she was in the room. And now before this, I would like prep like crazy on this. I would be like, okay, I gotta, gotta know this person's like spouse's name, everything about their company, their dog's name. And looking back, I was like, that's, that's kind of creepy, right? That's, that's, and, and I would say, okay, I'm going to say this, you know, all about scripts, right? Say this. And then, oh, you got to make sure you tell that story. And then you describe yourself like this. And it, and it just, and, and we're going to, oh, this is going to be great. And I was wondering why that it took so long to build trust. So I get on there and he goes, hey, and we talked about baseball for all things. I don't know how we got on the topic for baseball. I don't, I don't even know who this guy, you know, what this guy really does, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laughing inside. And then he says, what do you do? And then I blur out something. It was true self. It was not even scripted. I just said, oh, yeah. And, I, and, and yeah, and in my spare time, I run around the room with my daughter here. And the meeting took 65 minutes. And I felt like, well, it went pretty well. Um, next day, he calls me up. He says, I want you to, I, I, you're, you're, you're my professional. You're my advisor. And so my coach, Dr. Jeff Spencer, I, I immediately called him, left a message. He calls back in like 10 minutes. He goes, congratulations. That's amazing. Now get to work here. I was like, what do you mean get to work? He says, I want you to write everything down of what you did before that meeting, what you did in that meeting. It's kind of like, um, I'm a, I'm a runner. And when I have that good race, it's just like, well, I'm eating, you know, fried potatoes right before the run. And I'm drinking that black tea you get from Starbucks and with three tea bags. It's like, you have that ritual. And, and so I shared it with them and I'll share it with you. It's just like, so anytime before a meeting, well, if I don't have a 55 minutes, well, Stella goes to school now, so I can't go grab her every time I, I listen to our playlist which is filled with Beatles songs and Bruno Mars and just goofy songs. And I will just clear my mind. I'll meditate. And um, it's almost like if, if something pops up and says, oh, this person does this, the person you're talking to that. I, no, no, I don't want to see that. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to get to know them instead of the internet telling me who they are. And through, so here's a key too. throughout that whole conversation, those 65 minutes, my only goal my only goal was to save this guy's, th this individual's money some way, shape or form. And it was, in this case, it was through tax and through increased valuation. And, and by the way, on those two fronts, I was probably not going to be paid on that. And I didn't care because when I, and I, and I, and I showed up and I said, the, the only thing I have to be is calm and confident because if he sees calm and confident coming into play, then he's going to want to, have my professionals here help him and he's going to save a lot of money and everybody in this room wins. Now where I win is on the other side, be, being that advisor who manages some, if not all of these funds. Um, he had indicated halfway through that he had a couple advisors or people that, that could lead him down the road to, to manage, manage these funds. So, and that didn't even like phase me. It was like, of course he does. Well, good for him. And it wasn't like, well, maybe I can get a third of this. You know, it was just, okay, we crossed the finish line here. 
I did what I need to do. Calm, confident. He's bought into this. And that was the focal point. The other thing I'll mention too, is that I'm very aware, except on podcasts, that I should only speak 20% of the time. <laughs> okay. So, so when I'm having these first meetings, it's like, let me ask you a question. It's about them, not me. Quick as possible. This is what I do. You already know what I do because you got referred to me. Now let's figure, figure everything about, out about you. And no script. I never start with talk to me about your investments, your money. It's like, talk to me about you. Tell me about your goals. Tell me about what keeps you up at night. Tell me about what's important to you. Tell me why this business means so much to you. Thank you for breaking that down. And I love the visual of you playing with your daughter. It was making me emotional because obviously I'm a new mom. Um, it's so beautiful. And one of the things that's coming to mind as you're describing this process uh, is the work that I do around money mindset and abundance and, you know, attracting what you desire. And it just sounds like because of your processes and the work that you've done on yourself and getting out of your comfort zone and transforming your life, you have become magnetic and to the things that you desire and to the things that are at your vibration. Um, otherwise, if it's not, you know, it's going to go away. And I think that's the way you described it is, is very step-by-step -step for people. And I also want to bring light to like, that's what happens when you do this work. You attract the things that are a match for you. And you're also able to tell what's not a match. And you also have to, uh, develop a level of trust where you're like, I'm not attached to this working out or not. Like it would be great if it did. And I know there's more on the way. And so I don't need to be like grabby with this. I don't need to just take everything that comes my way. If it's not aligned, you have a level of confidence and trust in life and what's coming to you. I, the, what you do with, with the manifestation and attracting abundance uh, Emily, I'm such a huge believer in that. Trisha and I have conversations like this all the time. And it's almost like when things appear, it's almost like, of course they did. Of course. It's no longer a surprise. It's like every, every magical interaction like this one we're having right now is because it happened, is because I manifested. It's serendipitous. Cause it was meant to be and, and great point on not, not caring about the result because I think that's a big part of it too. It's like, don't force the result. If that client said, I don't want to do any of this and walked, that's great because there is a reason why that's happening. There is a reason why that's happening and it will save me time from trying to convince this person to do what I want them to do. Totally. I love that. And I remember um, David Nagel, one of the mentors I've worked with, he said in a podcast recently, he said, you don't need to be attached to who the sale, like who brings in the money, who says yes to the sale. It's just, you trust that the sale is coming in. You're not attached to who it comes from. Exactly. And I thought that was so amazing because how often are we like, oh, it needs to come from this specific person. And then we're so focused on that, that we lose sight of all the other opportunities that are around us, or we stop putting ourselves out there. And then we attract the wrong people. And it's just like dating when you're so um, just like clingy, <laughs> that's so unattractive. And it's not the foundation for a beautiful relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
and Trisha and I talk about this as well, like all the opportunities that come in. Um, she shared something with me a few weeks ago. I won't share exactly what it was because it was private, but I was like, oh yeah, well, of course that happened. Of course, it's you could tell me you're going to the moon tomorrow and I wouldn't be surprised. And so she sent over a little like a picture of herself in a, in a moon suit, <laughs> an astronaut gear, and I was cracking up. But it's true. Like there are people in my life where they're doing big things all the time that it's not surprising anymore when they message me with like things that other people were think would think are so outlandish. Uh, it, it's just common day things because they've worked on themselves and they've gotten their energy and their, their just true self to a place of alignment and they're magnetic. Can, can I share with you one story about Trisha actually, that is sure. so along those lines. April 8th of last year. I'm going down to a mastermind group with about 60 people. And every single time I go into a mastermind group, I'm anxious. So on the way down to San Diego, I'm on the plane and I just feel this anxiety because it's imposter syndrome. Um, and I, I've always tried to find ways out of it. It's just like, oh, wow, my nose is stuffy. Do I have COVID? Right. And I have to go home. However, I meditated and, um, I meditated on, on, on finding calmness and, and certainty. And um, I, I, I pictured um, a woman that exuded all of this and true self and everything that I stand for. And it just felt so calm when I was meditating. And right then the plane lands and then this name pops up. And it's Trisha. And you kind of know how the story is going to turn out. I beeline, I get there. I forget about the name and I'm, I'm feeling a little anxious. And I, and I go to a, the table with the least amount of people where I can sit and then nobody else sits, sits with me. So I'm looking for three empty seats and I see it right there. And I almost run into this lady and I get to my seat and I said, Hey, I'm Mark. And she says, I'm Trisha. And it turns out too that it was just this immediate connection. And I tell this to her every time. She's a role model to me in so many different ways. And I feel from day one, we didn't work together for several months, but it was just this, just this value that was going back and forth to us. She's one of my favorite human beings. And I, 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 I look back on that because a lot of times it is not specific. You're right. But that is so powerful. And then the other day, I was really feeling her pain because her cat passed away. And Trisha, for the, for the listeners out there, her cats are like her kids. And I feel it. I feel it from, the, from day one when she started talking about Lola and Bella. And her baby, Lola, passed away. And I just felt that for her. And that Saturday, I went out and went to this, this really cool museum near my house called the Discovery Museum. And for some reason that day, there was like graffiti, like purposeful graffiti with chalk. And, and it was just this obliteration of all these different beautiful colors on this massive, massive chalkboard. And the only thing I could see in were these four letters, L 
O-L-A. Lola. And when I told Trisha this, her response was, of course. Of course. Lola knows how close we are. And she she was just reaching out to you there. So amazing. And this is the woman, Trisha's been on the show multiple times and we've done, you know, tons of videos live and she shared this publicly. This is the woman who, when she started working with James and myself, the, one of the first things she said was, I'm not woo-woo. <laughs> like, anything <laughs> woo-woo And now she's, you know, very, very woo. Um, I love that. So do you look at your anxiety differently now, or is it something that you're still like, I wish it wasn't here, or is it a matter of I've, I've accepted it and now I know how to work with it? I'm just curious to know where you are on your journey with that. Well, I've really embraced it, Emily. Um, and I feel like I've also, by sharing, it, it really helps. Um, I was in this little... Um, just like this, I was very blessed to be in a little uh, powwow with Mel Robbins um, way back when. And I told Mel about some of her fears and what drives her panic attacks were similar to mine, like social situations or being on airplanes and speaking in public. Um, she, she really opened up about how it was a problem, but then when she changed your focus on, instead of going back to that moment when you had that first panic attack speaking, you go back because we're both empathetic and you go back to what the outcome is and you see people clapping. You see your plane landing, not only your plane landing, you walk through the door and Stella gives me a big hug. And that shift actually made the world a difference. And I bring that up too, because of the fact that because I am very comfortable mentioning anything to do with depression, anxiety, mental health struggles, I have told people on calls before <laughs> when I'm face to face and I said, I don't know what it is, but I'm feeling anxious. I have a, a little bit of panic attacks. I just need Need, need, need. I didn't sleep well. Something's going on. If, if I could just pause for about a couple minutes here. And just knowing that I have, have that to be comfortable about. And because I surround people, myself with people that are so true selves and, and, and aligned with me, that helps immensely. I still suffer from all of those things, but I'm able to prevent the downward spirals from happening. Yeah. And I do think we don't need to get into this here, but I do wonder, like, what if we change the verbiage from suffer to something else? Because I feel like the conversation we're having now is because of your anxiety and depression and mental health struggles. And that's such a gift. And so why are, you know, and I know that this is a much bigger uh, conversation. And of course, those things are real and, and can be life altering in negative ways and are so hard to, to deal with at times. But, you know, we all have a range of emotions. And so for us to expect that every day is, you know, just happiness and, you know, no sadness like that is, that's not a full human experience. And so I just think it's interesting to think about just changing the verbiage 
and moving away from the word suffer when it comes to some of the emotions and, and, you know, struggles that we have as humans. Uh, On that note, I do feel it's a gift. Um, And it's, uh, I'm very sensitive. And so it's, 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 I, I compare it or it's very similar to, I get eczema right in the back of my ear when I eat something that my body can't digest. And I see, I see that as such a gift. Yeah. Because if, if I eat something that has gluten in it, it's like, oh, I, I'm not going to eat that anymore. Because what this means is that it's taking away energy. The energy is trying to distinguish what's going on in my body and trying to digest this. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. great, cross that off the list. And it's similar to anxiety or depression. There's a reason why. Sometimes it's lack of sleep. Sometimes it's something physical, yeah. actual physical. But a lot of times it's not. It's about, oh, that person that <laughs> I'm, I'm in front of is, is uh, my intuition is saying something here. Yeah. Or exactly. I, I think I should be doing that task, but I actually don't like doing that task. And, and I, and I feel like you're absolutely right. And I, and one of my goals is that, um, that as a society, we all can talk about our mental health symptoms, if you will, just the same way as a common cold symptom. No one's afraid to say, oh my gosh, I'm, my, my nose is stuffy. My, my throat is sore. I, I, I would love that to happen. And if that does happen, I think that is, that is a big piece of, of winning this battle, you know, as a, as, as, as a world, as a, as an entire group. Thank you. So if people want to continue the conversation with you and connect with you further, where can they find you? See, uh, FujiwaraBear.com, F-U-J-I-W-A-R-A-B-A-I-R-D, or MarkFujiwara.com. Awesome. So the final question I ask all the guests is, what is one way people can create a life better than their dreams and far exceed their wildest expectations? Okay, so I feel that we all have, I, I read all these self-help books and there's, there's thousands of ways, deep work, essentialism, you know, and they're all great. But I think, I think it really starts from the awareness of the people that you surround yourself with. It just goes back to that. Anytime that's out of whack, everything kind of falls off the rails, but be honest with yourself. I talk about the plus two, plus one, zero, minus one, minus two, every 15 minute increment. If you're going to do that, you have to be honest with yourself and then use that in a way that you can look back and say, okay, I, I, I think that I am not going to be able to interact with this person the same way. Now, if it's someone that you're, you have to talk to on a regular basis, what that awareness does then is it has you knowing going into that conversation, what's going to happen. So if you're aware that if it comes out of a surprise, like, oh my gosh, I I feel like I want to, you know, I just want to go to sleep after this and not know why that, that can exacerbate the, the, the symptom there. 
So it's just this awareness. And then high, and then as you're doing this, you, you start to realize that the people like yourself, like Trisha, like my wife, like the people I'm close to right now, they add to your energy and you'll seek out more of those people, more of those interactions and also be more appreciative of that as well. Thank you for sharing that. I also heard once that the more you're attracting people, like the ones you just described, that's also how you know that you've shifted and that your energy is different because you wouldn't have otherwise attracted those people. And I thought that was so beautiful and such a reminder of, you know, pay attention to when those things happen because it also tells you something about yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. I've loved this conversation. I know so many people are going to benefit from hearing you and your story and your wisdom. So thank you for your vulnerability and for your time. Thank you, Emily. Keep doing this. Keep being your true self. You're amazing. Amazing, amazing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life Show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life Show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review. Because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.